Sent from his throne above He came to change his world through love He came humbly, he came to serve He'll come again to rule this earth Hallelujah, the Lord has come And hallelujah, the Lord has come Hallelujah, the Lord has come Emmanuel, our God is with us You're listening to Thursday Night Live at Calvary Chapel, St. Paul Calvary Chapel, St. Paul is a fellowship of believers committed to a fourfold style of ministry We seek to reach, teach, mend, and send Each Thursday night live service involves a time of intimate worship, an in-depth study of God's Word, and a time of afterglow and leading of the Holy Spirit. And now, here is Thursday Night Live. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 1. We'll pick it up up around verse 8. We might get through the rest of chapter 1. However, at first service, I got all the way through chapter 2. Should have been there this afternoon. All right, we'll see what happens there. I feel like I'm watching here in the Minions. Oh, oh, is that Toy Story? All right, hey, turn with your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. And uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, we just... We get to come here today, and we get to participate in this great adventure, Lord, this this salvation that you paid so dearly for. So God, may we just continue to worship you in your word, and it burn within our hearts, and that we might shine it all around. We just thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. May we leave here today more on fire, more convicted, more committed, more submitted, more in love with you than when we came here this evening, in Jesus' name. And, well, we left off, you know, the first five verses of Galatians 1. Really cool. And then verses 6 and 7. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there's some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Uh, why? You know, I, I will give you part of a uh, conversation today. I just... <laughs> Just uh, there's, a, there's this brother I like, I, I care about, and uh, he doesn't go to this church, and I don't know what church he goes to. Well, I know the church he goes to because he likes to, that's where he gets dates. Uh, but I, uh, I, uh, just, uh, I just let him talk. Unbelievable. Some of you have been, but I was at lunch for over an hour, and I said five words. I'm just telling you, so just giving comparison who I was with. And... And just lost. I mean, he's, he's saved. He's going to get to heaven. I mean, he's got that. But in the course of an hour, he could not give me the simplicity of the gospel. Caleb, is that you? You decided to... Wrong switch. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, he just cannot give me the simplicity of the gospel and the grace of God. And... and and understand this, this is, this is really cool because Galatians, we're, 
we're going through, uh, this has happened in Galatians, that church came about, the body of believers came about uh, when Paul was going through his third excursion through uh, Europe there, or, uh, leaving and the church of Antioch, his home church. Uh, and so we're gonna, he's going to give us a little bit of history back into chapter 9, more, more depth and detail. Uh, if you just read Acts chapter 9, it looks like Paul got saved on the way to Damascus. He spent a few days in Damascus, got lowered on a basket, chapter 9, a little uh, summary here, and then he went to Jerusalem. Nope, he left Damascus for a few years, uh, went out to Arabia. We know that from the other gospel, uh, from the other uh, accounts and acts, and here in Galatians. And we're going to get a little bit more detail of what happened in that time. And that, and he went back to uh, Damascus for a, f- a few more years, and then he went up to Jerusalem. And so here, he says, "I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel." Uh, and there really is no gospel at all. The gospel that's a uh, That's an English word for the good news. That's what it is. It's the good news. And what is the good news? That Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose from the dead to prove that he was God, to prove that he could die for our sins, that he is the only perfect sacrifice, the simplicity of the gospel. Romans 10, 9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. But we're going through the book of Acts on Sundays. Paul shows up to... Towns, some don't have synagogues, so there's no real Jewish presence there. So there's not this uh, understanding of God. We know from some of the towns that he goes to that there's these Gentiles who are lost in their pagan beliefs, and they, they see someone who believes in, in, in one God and a God you can't see, but their lives seem to sort of like be together on some stuff. And so they're, they're God-fearers. We see that through the book of Acts. They, they, they're, they're trying to get close to God. Everyone is searching for God. And the paganism, uh, they know that it, it just doesn't work. And then Paul comes and explains the way more clearly to them. But we're going to see, as we go through Acts on Sundays, he's going to go to places where there's no Jewish presence, and these are just total pagans who are lost, have traditions after themselves. How do you communicate the simplicity of the gospel? This struck me early on in my walk with the Lord the first time going to Mexico and doing outreach. Uh, again, not raised in a denomination. I just thought every Mexican's Catholic. Just thought that's what it was. That's what it was in the neighborhood I grew up in. And actually going south of the border and going into Mexico and finding people in whole villages that there's no church at all and there's no Catholicism at all. And Jesus is either your cousin or your brother who lives down the street. I mean, no joke. Asking, hey, do you know Jesus? See, yeah. How do you know? Him? He's my cousin. What? And then trying to tell them, no, no, you're, you see, you're Catholic, and I got to convert you from Catholicism, and I got into like, what? The, what? Nothing. So how do I communicate the simplicity of the gospel? Well, let me just tell you, how do I communicate the simplicity of wanting this booklet? Some of you in PWT, you got the, you got the little booklet. Does your relationship with God make you sure that you'll go to heaven when you die? And I needed to get a, I have some printed up to give out to this Sunday for the PWT. And I wanted to make the little booklets. But the simplicity, I thought I was communicating I wanted to reproduce this booklet. I did. And I wanted to reproduce it. But, and the price came out for a hundred. I was like, man, this is like 
double the price that I've ever paid to have these booklets ever made up. And then I went to pick up the booklets today, and I realized, um, well, it, it did get reproduced. And she did ask, did you want to fill up the whole page? And, and I was like, but I meant like, just fill up this, you know. So I'll have these for you on Sunday. I guess this is a coffee, tape, uh, coffee table edition. And uh, you can read it from here. How do you communicate the simplicity that I just wanted this small little booklet reproduced? Uh, this is what I got today. So this is, this is my message, the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity is that sometimes you might be using the same words or be using words, but you don't know what the definitions mean, such as Jehovah's Witnesses. You talk about Jesus, they're, all, they're right there with you. But the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Michael the Archangel is Jesus. You're talking to Mormons. They believe he's the half-brother of Lucifer, that they fought over earth and Jesus won and he got to be the God of this earth. And if you become a good Mormon, you'll be the God of your own earth or your own planet. And, um, when you talk to Muslims, they say they all point to Jesus as a prophet or a good man, a good teacher. Uh, when you look at uh, uh, Hare Krishnas or, or Buddhism or all these religions, they all somehow cite Jesus. But when you read Jesus, he only cites himself. He says he's the only way. And so here, how do you communicate the simplicity of the gospel? I heard for an hour, and uh, I wasn't really trying to convert or win this guy over, but I just... Just wanted to take him out to lunch and spend time with him. And he just rambled on whatever he wanted to ramble on. And I, after an hour, I just say, well, just give me this. What is the simplicity of the gospel? Well, you're on a journey with Jesus. What does that mean? How, how, so I, he goes, well, you got to read the Bible. And I'm like, so just read the Bible and now you're on a journey with Jesus? Yes. And I go, well, how, how do you, how does somebody go to heaven? How, does a, how do you get to heaven? He goes, well, I just try to be a good example. And, and so if they follow you, they're going to go to heaven? Well, no. You, and it took about 35 minutes before he said you needed to, uh, never said repent, but said you need to confess your sins, you know, to God and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And I just go, what does that mean? I said, look, we're both Christians, but I'm asking you, how do you, and come to find out this person's never really ever prayed with anybody to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It's very confusing with him. And he's, it, it finally took, you know, another half hour for him to just give a little bit of simplicity of that. Well, accepting him means, you know, believing that he, uh, you know, died for our sins and that he rose from the dead. I go, well, how do you know he rose from the dead? Well, I believe it. I said, I, I, I believe it too, but well, why do you believe it? Well, because the Bible says so. What if someone doesn't believe the Bible? Is that it? You just believe it? And now you're saved or born again or whatever term you want to use? So Paul's going in to these, as we're seeing in the book of Acts, and he's going in and he's preaching, not necessarily teaching, teachings for the saved, but preaching the simplicity of this good news. And and he's talking first and foremost to these believers going, the grace of God, who, why are you so soon removed from this for another gospel, which is not another? 
but there's some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And so as I ask this, this believer, this person who will get to heaven very confused, but it'll all get cleared up for him later, I go, you've spent an hour talking about all these things that you're going to do and you think you're going to go through and you know, you're not going to the rapture and you're going to be here to the end and you're going to do all these things and you're all ready. And I go, if you had to choose, what would you spend your time talking to somebody? Somebody's on their deathbed. Everything you're saying, how's that going to help them get to heaven? He didn't know. You know, it's not that people don't want to share their faith. For those of you who are going through PWT and those of you who already have, it's not that people don't want to share their faith. They're just not equipped and I'm talking as one no church background except Christian science and occult no denominational no you know not understanding what it meant to be saved and born again had no Christianese whatsoever I just knew I saw something in those guys that, that I was friends with and they had a peace and they had a, a calmness in them probably the greatest example of that is we're I remember this first sergeant who claimed to be a Christian. I don't know what a Christian was, but he said he went to church and went to Christian. And the maneuvers that we were doing, we were training to go to battle and it just started raining. And it rained for four days straight. And after four days, there is nothing dry on you and you get what we call rain happy. You just don't care. Guys were stripping down, running around with their gun belts, naked in the wilderness. I mean, just guys, ah, you know. And he was in his Jeep, up all the way past the axles with, with his canopy on, and just sitting there. We're all running around, pretending to kill one another and do all these things. And he's just sitting there reading a book, which I later found out was a Bible. And he's just kind of looking out. Everyone's running around, total chaos all around. But it just struck me odd that there was like, why isn't he running around crazy like the rest of us? Not because he was dry, he was wet like everybody else and just was content to be there. That's one of the first things that just struck me odd. And then when we finally do rotate overseas and, and other friends of mine, are, are their, their lives are changing, dramatically changing. But here's the thing. Okay, so you believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead. How do you know? Because I wasn't just going to go. And simple because you believe it. That doesn't, that doesn't help me. How do you know? And it took this one other, again, I know Christianese now, this believer, this guy that I persecuted heavily. He would take me through all the external evidences that Jesus Christ lived, died, and resurrected. It wasn't, it, it was a belief, but it was an intelligent belief. It was a logical belief. It was a belief based on, on fact and on science and on reasoning and eyewitness accounts. So understand, as Paul's going into these pagans, listen, he's already got the in. You already have the in. You know, apart from a relationship with God that makes you sure you go to heaven when you die, you're lost. And, and, and you know it's never going to fulfill and satisfy. Now, I wasn't going to concede that point. It always upset me when these guys would tell me what I already knew to be true, but I wasn't going to admit it. I'm not going to let them win the argument. But I, I knew in my heart of hearts, I knew something inside that this was not satisfying. And it was like they were speaking right to me. And I didn't know most of these guys. 
How can you say that about me? You don't know me. He goes, I was you. I don't understand what he mean. it was you. And they would just give me the simplicity and the grace of God. Not perfection. I would just see these guys fall down. I would see these guys stumble in their, what they would call following God and, and get things right. And I would see others come around them that I know now wasn't group meditation, but it was prayer. <laughs> Why are they group meditating? You, you understand? And so I'm talking to somebody today who's got an extensive vocabulary in Christianese, but he doesn't understand the terms that he's using. Well, explain that term. And so it was after this, I went to stop to pick up my fold, my little booklet, and I'm realizing I was using terms, thought I was using the exact same terms, but we have different meanings there. I did not communicate the simplicity of what I wanted. I assumed some things, and this is why it now costs you $6 for this uh, volume of a book instead of the normal two bucks. I, okay, and I, I went all out. I got 24-pound paper. I said, sure, all right, this is good. not going to be that much. Just... Anyway, so the simplicity. And so here, verse 8, but though we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel unto you, and that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. It means anathemized. In other words, condemned. If anyone comes and preaches another, let them be accursed. Keep your fingers here and go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I mean, these are, listen, you've, I, I'm, I'm blessed that I didn't have any church upbringing, Catholics, uh, Methodist, Lutheran, Mormon, Baptist, whatever, man, that I was in a cult. I thought I was my own God because I just began to read the Bible and I'm just using Bible words. And so in 1 Corinthians um, uh, chapter 16, look at verse 1. Now concerning the... Uh, is that what I want there? 1 Corinthians chapter 16... Uh, now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches in Galatia, even so I do. I think I'm in the wrong one here. Is that first? I got glasses on. All right, let's look at 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, it's it, 15. I got, glass, I got new glasses. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also if you have received and wherein you stand, by which you also are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He's talking about prophecies. Remember, Scriptures being written out in the New Testament. And so how do you go into a people group who have no preconceived, don't have any ideas, but they know that they're lost and they're looking for purpose and meaning and direction in their life, then you can say, well, listen, this was told right here. And that's why many witnesses were, again, accompanying Paul and some of the other apostles as they would go and say, hey, look, these guys, are we're all eyewitnesses to this. Let me tell you exactly what happened. So it isn't just a simple thing like, hey, you believe on this. And so here he tells us here that if that if a, another preaches a, another gospel un, unto you, let him be anathemized. 
Uh, go with me to uh, uh, verse 9. As we said before, verse 9 of, of Galatians 1. As we said before, uh, and I say unto you again, if any man preach another gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. And if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathemized. Maranatha, in other words, Maranatha means Lord come quickly, all right? Let him be anathemized. Let, let, if another, again, these are biblical, these are hard words. Let him be forever condemned, separated from all of the presence of God for all eternity. Christian, do you realize that's what's coming next for those who do not have Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? And so what did Paul tell us here, especially in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians? It's the sins. And I go, well, what what if someone doesn't believe in a sin? As I was sharing with this person, asking him, tell me about what is sin? Why, why, do I have, why do I need to confess? What is it to confess sins? Uh, what if I, and again, I was talking as a role playing, as a, as a Christian scientist, I don't, sin's only a mistake that makes you feel bad. So if I don't feel I've done anything wrong, I haven't sinned. How do you convince someone you are a sinner? And what Jesus Christ died for, and you understand this whole sacrifice, and realize this, whatever people group you go to, even here in the United States, all right, everyone understands sacrifice. You need to sacrifice maybe to get ahead or do your goals or uh, you sacrifice your life for that for another. Everyone understands, every people group across the face of this earth, uh, flat or round, knows about sacrifice. And even these pagans are sacrificing, but they know that it doesn't satisfy. So then when you start talking about this perfect sacrifice, this one and only sacrifice, and you tell them it's Jesus... Uh, again, that it's only him, because what does it do when you sacrifice? That's the thing. What is the outcome of your sacrifices as a pagan? You're still empty. You're still lost. And he knows that. And then they can say, you know me so well. All right? So that's what Paul's coming into here. And look what he says here. He says, verse 10 of Galatians 1, For I do not persuade, for I do, uh, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. Christ means Messiah, the anointed one. But I certify to you, brethren, that the gospel which I preached, uh, which was preached of me, is not after man. There's no profit in it. There's no profit in Christianity. And that's what he's talking about here. Some are perverting you for what? For profit. So again, follow the money. They're perverting the grace of God and they're going to benefit somehow from it. He says, yet if I please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. Keep your fingers here and go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And again, this is what Paul again is referring to. And it tells us here, and he, and he says here in 1 Corinthians 15, let's pick it up at verse 7. And after that, he was seen of James and of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am uh, meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of Christ. But, the, but by the grace of 
of God. I am what I am. And his grace, which he bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all the other, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Therefore, whether it were of I or they, so we preach, and yet so believe. you got to keep the message simple. Christ crucified, the Messiah, the perfect sacrifice. Uh, so you're able to do this. And why did he need to die? Because there had to be a perfect sacrifice so everyone understands the sacrificial system, whether it's sacrifice to get ahead, sacrifice your buddy. You know, you two guys are walking out in the woods. You see a bear, and your buddy looking at your buddy and says, and he's putting on his running shoes, and he says, you'll never outrun that bear. And he says, I don't have to. I just have to unroute you, right? So there's a sacrifice, right? I just have to outrun you. That, so we understand. You, you're going to be sacrificed. We've seen that in movies. So sacrifice is nothing you really have to explain to anyone around the world. But what is the outcome of that sacrifice? And so here in Galatians 1, he tells us here that again, that he was taught the revelation of uh, verse 13 of 1. For you have heard of my, uh, my conversation. Uh, and again, conversation is a King James word, meaning not just his verbal, but conversation, meaning your whole manner of life. If you have an NIV pre-1984 version or 1984 or sooner, that's what it means. It says whole manner of life. You knew my whole manner in life in time past in the Jews' religion. See, he's talking about religion now. We're in a relationship, folks. But he's talking about religion. And religion, you can do religion. religion you, you can have rules and regulations. You don't, listen, Muhammad's not around, but there's still Islam. Buddha's not around. There's still Buddhism. Krishna, uh, Hare Krishna's, uh, Joseph Smith, the Mormons. You still have Mormonism. You still have you still have a rules and regulations and traditions in religion. But if you take Jesus Christ out of this equation, you have no relationship. It is all on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have to keep it simple. And so here he says, you know, in times past, the Jews' religion, how, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Oh, man. He had people put to death. And, and, and so he's talking about this is how I rose up amongst the ranks in this religion. And understand this religion is man-made. And verse 14, circle it right there. And profited. And profited in the Jews. You know, some, I took someone flying the other day and it just kind of cracks me up. Um, I said, yeah, my pastor likes to fly. And immediately the person goes, wow, what kind of mega church do you go to? What kind of jet? What kind of this? And I was like, did you show him the video that we were in a session with the rubber band was going faster? Do you understand? I mean, you just, but understand how the world thinks. Wow, your pastor likes to fly. And what is the representation of the world? These super jets, these celebrity pastors. And that's what he thought. I lent the vehicle uh, to somebody that needed, uh, one of my vehicles to somebody that needed to get to work, and they showed up to work, and they go, man, where'd you get that clunker? They go, oh, that's my pastor's car. I said, your pastor? Man, you guys must not be paying him much. Our pastor drives a Cadillac Eldorado, and his wife drives a Beamer, man. We really take care of our pastor and stuff like that. He goes, yeah, that's true, but my pastor's taking care of me. And that was it. And so here, but that's how the world thinks. And so, for you, again, verse 14, and a prophet, that's what you do, is you just follow the money. You want to do ministry? You want to serve the Lord? If it's profiting you, 
if you're making out better than those that you're serving, then what gospel are you preaching? What You've made a religion there and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of men. Now Paul is just really digging back in the Old Testament. Go with me, keep your fingers here, and go with me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, chapter 9. Jeremiah, it's after Isaiah, before the book of Revelation. See, if you know that, it's a good Bible joke. Thank you, Kristen. All right. Jeremiah, chapter 9. Let's start at verse 12. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 12 says, Who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord hath spoken, that he may declare it for what the land, uh, uh, for what the land uh, perisheth and is burned up like a wilderness that none passeth through it? And the Lord saith, Because they have forsaken my law, which I have set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have, look at verse 14, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart and after Balaam, which their fathers have taught them. Go with me back to Galatians chapter 14. That their fathers have taught them. You know what? I, <laughs> I, I, obviously, I, I missed out on having a, a dad. I missed out having a dad like I was a dad to my kids. Okay, And so I really didn't get to know my dad. He split. He raised my brothers and sisters before me. I don't really have any great memories of my dad. Uh, maybe a few, but they're based on the things of the world. And I didn't meet him until I was four or have a conscious memory of him until I was four. I didn't even call him dad. I called him by his name and a few other things. But when I hear men tell me, well, you know, my dad taught me, I go, you're 45 years old and you're still afraid of your dad? How long have you been out of your home or your 50s and your 60s? I dealt with a man a few weeks ago, 75 years old, and he still cries about what his dad did to him. How long, have you, how long has he been dead? I knew one guy who wanted to shoot his dad and he did. Took a gun to the graveyard and shot through the... <laughs> that was it. I go, that, okay, I thought you wanted it. No, he's already dead. And so, your traditions of men, did they lead you to Jesus? I, I'll just tell you, the girls that I went for, the ones who had daddy issues. Daddy didn't love them. Daddy didn't care about them. Daddy this, daddy that. They were the easiest. They were the easiest to go after and seduce and do whatever you want with them because they were trying to... You know, this traditions of men. That's what that religion is. And I, and I hear many of friends, especially in Judaism, well, if I do that, my, my dad will turn over in his grave. No, he won't. He's either with Jesus or he's a believer now. What? Yeah, we'll work on that one a little bit later. But, you know, the, the, I, oh, I can't do that. Would that, that, would, that would go against my family or that would go against, you know, my, how I was raised or whatever. Well, maybe the, raised, the, the way that you were raised was, was wrong. Not just different. Because here you are still afraid after all these years 
The Bible tells us a man shall leave his father and mother and cling unto his wife. The two shall become one. Why are you bringing past relationships and dead people into it and, and think that you owe someone loyalty to who never brought you to Jesus? Your responsibility now, I mean, honor them, love them, but certainly don't obey them if they want you to drive the getaway car while you're robbing the liquor store. I mean, just, maybe I'm just projecting in my life, but, you know, certainly law, you just, you don't, so again, your fathers, and so he goes all the way back to Jeremiah chapter 9. This wasn't good. This is tradition of men. Verse 15, but when it pleased God, that's brother and sister, all you with daddy issues, all right? I mean, I didn't have a dad around, and I seem to be more together than the ones of you who had dads. Because I, I still hear in your conversations, well, he did this, he didn't do that, and so like that. Well, go, quit your whining, man. It's over. He's gone. Live your life. Follow, follow the God of the Bible. Let him, let him be your father. Right here. Just follow this father. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace and to reveal his son in me. What are you revealing when you're doing that testimony? The guy I was talking with today, he's, he's, just, he's, he's just got a dead father he can't please. Well, he's dead. It's too late to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them that which were the apostles before me, but I went into Arabia. So now he's given us a little bit more information of what happened when he left Damascus in chapter 9. They lowered him in a basket and he went to Arabia for three years and then he came back to Damascus. Well, he tells us right here in Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, so he's in Damascus for three years out in the wilderness. So he's being ministered to by Jesus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. There's people who knew Jesus and were walking with him before Paul. And some of them got upset about that. Some of them got upset that this, here's this upstart, this newcomer, this persecutor of the church. And yet they're, they're upset and envious and jealous of the anointing of God upon his life and what he's being called to do. And all they do is look at, and they see it, all this stuff that's happening with Paul, and they go, ah, oh, I really want that. But they, they, they'll never pay the cost. They'll never pay the cost. They want the, quote, unquote, the fame and the glory or the, or the notoriety, but they, they have no clue what it is and what it'll cost them. Well, Paul's going to tell us later in Corinthians even more what the cost now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came again. But look, verse 23, But they that heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorify God in me. So there's going to be a group that's going to glorify God in their life. It's cool. But chapter 2, Then 14 years after I went up again into Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. We, we just finished that in Acts chapter 15. Right now, here's the thing. He doesn't give them all the information. He doesn't give them the whole backstory. 
He just says, I went to Jerusalem. And he's going to give him the summary of what happened, but not what precipitated that or precipitated that, that because there was these Judaizers, there was these people that were envious of him. And they were saying, you have to become a Jew, and then you can become a Christian. But there already been a Christians, but now you got to be circumcised. you got to do all these things. Jesus, and they're trying to preach what? Religion. They're trying to preach and teach their traditions of men. Judaism today is not biblical Judaism. Well, first of all, because Jesus Christ is, is the Messiah and he came and fulfilled all that. But the Judaism that you see formed today is man-made and it's man-led and they come up with all these traditions. You know, you, I, I have a few rabbi friends. I get three of them together and I have seven opinions. All right, so they can't agree upon anything. And again, traveling with some of my rabbi friends, some follow a certain rabbi, there's no electricity, so they can't take elevators on, on Shabbat. When, again, some of you have been to Israel with us, we snicker because you get on the Shabbat elevator and it stops at every floor because, you know, it would be working to push a button. And you're like, that was mean. I go, that was fun. But you yeah, take that elevator, it's open. And so we do those things. And so, uh, again, there, uh, but um, the rabbi I follow, the rabbi this, and the traditions of my father, and how I grew up in, in, in this, uh, is it reformed? Is it uh, new modern Judaism? It's all the stuff, and they're all man-made after traditions of men. But it's not even biblical of what we'd see here in the Old Testament. And so here, then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem and Barnabas, uh, with Barnabas and took Titus with us. So he's talking about Acts chapter 15, remember? And what happens, they said, these Judaizers said that you need to get circumcised. These guys had to get circumcised and they have, that's how they be Christian. You have to be a Jew first, then you become a Christian. And they went through the whole thing. It's not really the first council, your idiot notes. Uh, the publishers put on the, the first council. There was no first council. And they said, you know what? Yeah. And even Peter says, hey, maybe we could be saved like them. A whole flip around. Not like they got to be like us. We Look at the freedom. Look at the grace. And so he doesn't put this on the Galatians. He doesn't give them that whole backstory. He just gives them the high points and says, And I went up by revelation and, com and, and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of the reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. The simplicity of the gospel. So you mean you can go to the pagan world, you can go to the Gentile world and say, yeah, they all know about sacrifice. I talk about their sacrifices are empty and meaningless. And they all go, yeah, they are empty and meaningless. Think about all the things you did before Christ was your Savior and that you were either sacrificing or you thought you were doing good and, and you were maybe putting the needs of others before you, but you were profiting for them. So I guess you really weren't putting the needs of others before. I, I came from the same world you're in, right? And so you're doing all these things. And, and he says... And then I told them about the one perfect sacrifice. And then I showed them all the way through the scriptures. Oh, we're going to get into Acts chapter 16 and 17 where Paul goes to Athens. And he starts talking to these pagans about how they're very religious and very spiritual. They believe in all these gods. It says here, he tells us here in verse 3, but neither Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. We're going to see that Timothy is because his mother's a Jewish and his dad's Greek. In Judaism, if your mother is Jewish and you're born of a Jewish mother but a, uh, a non-Jewish dad, you're Jewish. And that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, where the seed of the woman shall bring forth and salvation. Women don't have seeds. They have 
hey, what do men have? They have the swimmers. They got the seed, all right? And so it's the seed of the woman. That, again, so if you're born of a woman in Judaism to this day, but if you're born of a, of a Jewish father and a Gentile mother, you have to convert to Judaism. You have to go through that whole point. And so here, Timothy had a Jewish mother, but a Greek father, but Titus, Greek all the way, and that yet being a Greek was compelled to be, this says, but Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised? Hmm. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. I mean, here's the thing, that when you show up, like here with poor Titus, well, I want to be spiritual. You know, I want to, I, I want to be close to God. Oh, let me tell you the secret. Circumcision. Ooh. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. I think there's something wrong with this. I don't think circumcision is going to bring me any closer to God. We're going to see where later... Timothy does go through with the circumcision on a different occasion. And because of false brother unawares brought in who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. You can't have that. Sometimes you, you're around here and, and, and uh, because you parents, your kids can't go outside and play in the streets and whatever, you know, day and age, whatever. So they're all running around here. Kids are having fun, doing all these things. And, and I go, hey, you kids, knock it off. You didn't come here to have fun. And the kids are like, new kids are like, oh. and the kids who've been around, they go, yeah, we did. Yeah, so did I. That's it. There's often times when parents are up here, kids are running around. They're like, hey, hey stop running. I'm like, whoa, 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 don't listen to them. They don't have fun anymore. You guys keep running. I said, if this is bothering you, you should probably go downstairs. This isn't a sanctuary. This is my class. Those kids get to come up here. Now, if you would take them outside and let them run around, then they wouldn't be in here, but you don't do that. And so here, he tells them here, they come to spy out our liberty. You know, that's the number one thing that, that uh, one of the many things, uh, but you're just having too much fun. You know, I, I would show up to ministers' associations, meetings, prayer meetings, and guys would come and talk to me, and he says, I can't really hang out with you, but... Uh, they're all in their suits and all dressed up for the formal things. And I walk in like this and like, oh, you're the most comfortable person here, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. This is it. press anybody. I said, I'll wear a suit at your funeral, but you're not going to see it. Uh, you want to come over to the house and look at it? I mean, does that make you feel better? Listen, they're going to try to spy out your liberty. You can't do that. That's, that's, no, and, and what happens is the tradition comes in. You can't do that. Well, why can't you do that? And so here, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. You see, when you start bringing these traditions in, you start bringing these other things in, it, it, you're no longer preaching the gospel. That's the thing that I was sharing with this one bro. I was like, well, let me ask you something, man. Are you, if, if, you, if, if someone's on their deathbed and they only have a few moments left, what are you going to share with them? All this other stuff you spend an hour talking about that you think is so important? Give me the simplicity of the gospel. The person's on their deathbed. or they're, 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 Tell me. And, and he couldn't. 
He didn't know what it was because he's all caught up with all these other things. I don't want you to be that way. And so here, he tells us here that they spy out our liberty to whom we give place by subjection. No, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might be continued with you. But these who seem to be somewhat, they seem to be somebody, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. You added nothing to me. It didn't, this is it. Someone found out, I was at a church service and walking through and uh, kind of bumped into the pastor there and we vaguely knew each other. We've seen each other at some of the Calvary Chapel pastor's conferences. And uh, he goes, oh, hey, you're, you're so-and-so. I mean, you're a pastor. And I go, yeah, so are you. And he goes, and he just got done teaching. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, yeah, Okay. And I said, uh, means absolutely nothing to me. And he, and he goes, just like I mean absolutely nothing to you. It doesn't matter, does it? Right. But we're both brothers, right? Brothers of the Lord. He added nothing to me. They thought they were something. All right. Well, then, then do something for me. You, you're saying you're all that in a bag of chips. You're saying you're all that. And this is, this is your relationship with the Lord. And so, okay. Then produce something. Tell me how my life is better because I know you, because you're in my life now and you're telling How is it? Because that's what I desire to be. I desire that you are better off. That, that was my proposal to Kimberly's mom and dad. That was my proposal. I just said, hey, uh, I just want to let you know, this is why your daughter is going to be better off with me and not staying in a curtain situation. This is why. This is what I have to. She's going to be better off with me than to stay. She's got a pretty good gig right now, but she's going to be better off with me. I'm better off with Jesus. How are my kids better off with me? Uh, this is the same thing as I send you out on a church split. I believe you're better off with me and Kimberly and being in this church. And if not, then go find something else that you are. I'm okay with that. But we should be, our lives should be, our, and making the lives for those around us. And it profits me nothing. So Paul just puts it in there. He says, you mean absolutely nothing to me. You're, you being a Christian has added nothing to my walk. My prayer is, is that, that my walk with the Lord and what I'm doing here tonight and being involved in your lives and doing those things has added to your life, has profited you, and has, has, has helped you in your walk with the Lord. But contrarize, when we saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, and the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he, so in other words, Paul to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews. For he wrought affectionately in Peter the apostleship of the circumcision. The same was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be the pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen that they unto the circumcision, and only they, that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forwarded, uh, was forwarded to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, look at this, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Wait a minute, this is a pillar, this is Peter, this is Acts chapter 10 guy, and 11 and 12, and, and this is Peter who was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and, and yet, Sometimes we as Christians can be taken by Satan to do his will. Look what he says here. I withstood him. 
This is Peter. How can you say that to them? He says, but Peter, I came, and when he came, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before the certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. He liked them ham sandwiches, didn't he? But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. <sighs> Hypocrisy. See, they're no longer eating at their potlucks and hanging out with them. Make no mistake, this can happen to each and every one of us. It's happened to me. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas, no, Barnabas, son of encouragement, was also carried away with them in their uh, dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter, before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as, as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of, of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith of Christ, not that by, by works of the law, for by the works of the law they shall no man be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, if therefore Christ the minister of sin, God forbid, for I build again, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, if I go back to this Judaism, if I go back, Peter, what you're doing, and you're going back, you, you hung out with the Gentiles, but because of fear. Fear causes more Christians to shriek. Fear of what someone else might think. Fear of, of your socioeconomic status in life, your position. And Peter was this, was this pillar. Oh, if they find out what I'm doing. But you were already eating with all the Gentiles. What, everyone was just going to, not me. Oh, not me. I would be one of the Gentiles. Hey, Peter, you want another ham sandwich? You seem to like those a lot when he's on all his, all his Jewish friends. You know the circumcision? That would, that would be me. I think Paul's doing it. He says, I, I had to do it because Peter was doing this publicly. Now we're going to see later where Peter repents of this and their relationship is restored. But it says here, for I've built again the things which I destroyed and make myself a transgressor. I destroyed Judaism. I destroyed all this stuff. I left all that behind. And now I'm going to go back and build it back up. You know, there, there's probably something good come out of what I used to do. No, nothing. For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The gospel. Not anything that I can profit from. Not anything that I can benefit from. Not, and I'm, I'm having a pretty good time. I like the things that, I'm, that, that God has me in. I like using my flying. I like using my skills. I like doing everything that I, I can. I'm enjoying this life on earth right now because of Christ that is in me. But the life that I'm living is because of Christ that's living in me. And, when, and so here, because I understand this, that he loved me and he gave his life for me. That is the gospel. Verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I have tell you right now today i'm not 
I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Peter, if you can work at it and keep the law, then Christ died for nothing. Why are you trying to build again? Why did you shrink back in fear? This is a testament. Listen, the Bible does not fail to record the sins and successes of godly men and women. Peter's just there. It could be my name very well. There, there has been a few times, not many, but a few times in my Christian experience that I, that I have shrunk back from fear or thought about it and actually did. And I don't ever want to feel that way again. And then, then it's either I surrender all to Christ or I keep some for myself. But this is the simplicity of the gospel. Do you know the grace of God and that he loves you and he gave himself for you? That there's nothing that we can sacrifice. There's nothing that we could give up to make God love us anymore. He loves us and he gave us life. So all we can do now is just live a life of gratitude and keep it simple. Not tell somebody rules and regulations. Found out somebody something the other day, somebody was doing something. He goes, oh, I thought that came from you. No. No, it didn't. I never said that. And they're like, you know, I thought that was kind of odd that someone told me. I, they didn't say you said that, but I just kind of figured, you know, you might have said it. And like, no. No, I didn't. I'm like, oh. And I watched... I watched confusion. This person was in confusion for a couple of weeks. And I just watched the confusion just roll over. I'm going, oh, yeah, that's, that makes sense. And I watched him work, and I goes, that makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't sound like something you would have said. I don't know why I put that together and, and thought that, and that caused me. Yeah. Sorry you put yourself through that. There's sometimes people put things on one another, and whether you think it's coming from me, I'll, if it's going to come from me. Let it come for me and let me upset you personally. Don't, don't take it on, on anyone else's word that it came from me. If I'm going to upset you and freak you out, I want to have the satisfaction of upsetting you and freaking you out. There's no satisfaction in that. But the sooner that I know I've done something, the sooner I can repent and I can get those things right and restore a relationship with you. Listen, I don't want you to find another church. I really believe you should be here, everyone who's here. But... If your life isn't better and you're not profited and better off because of this teaching, this ministry, the Calvary Chapel of St. Paul, I, I'm not leaving the church. I'm not leaving the pastor. I'm called here. But if life is not better for you here, then yeah, maybe you should consider somewhere else. And I don't know, maybe you got to go on a journey and you got to find a lot of places and do whatever and then you come back and you might realize it was you. Or as I challenged people, I said, hey, listen, if you go somewhere else, then your life should just explode, your walk, your ministry, your, your experience, and then I'll, be, I'll say, yeah, it was me. You weren't profiting here. But find out right away quickly if it's me or you. And if it's me, then give me an opportunity to repent and let's get these things right. But if it's you, then just come back. Talking to those of you who, I don't know why you still watch me online. If I've really destroyed your life, if Kimberly and I have really done that, why do you keep watching? I want you to understand others. I know it doesn't record. You, you, you know, you think you listen, but others take screenshots of you viewing us and send it to me. And I just pray for you. Why? Just come on back. You're here now. Let's just move on. But I would pray for those of you who are here. That's my goal. That's my heart. That's where God has led me and Kimberly. 
your life should be better because you come here. If it's not and I'm missing the mark somewhere, let's get together and pray and show me how I can. But I want life to be better for you because of what you're learning and growing here. And if not, let's figure out where you should be. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you for tonight. God, that you would just do that work in each and every one of our lives. May we just come together tonight and just continue to worship you and give you all the glory that's to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.